<laughs> so you realize that like thousands of people are going to hear you right now, right? Why would you do that to me right now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do this then. <laughs> Get out of the refrigerator right now. Are you clipping the microphone? Oh, is this on? Yeah, it's on. Is this recording? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were joking. <laughs> I'll show you how all the magic works. Mom, I don't want to play anymore. I thought this was fun. <laughs> um, what do you think of our new place in Providence? Love it. It's a class that uh, I will never see in my life because I'm going to be stuck in a five-bedroom apartment <laughs> for the rest of my days. <laughs> well, that's the problem with living in Boston, is that you're in a five-bedroom apartment with five people you don't know that you met off of Craigslist, <laughs> Craigslist and you're sharing one bathroom. <laughs> One to schedule the bathroom every day. I get a text every fucking morning. Um, I live an alternative lifestyle. I don't care about your 6.40 a.m. shower. Leave me out of it. I haven't been home yet at 6.40 a.m. I don't care to hear about it. What's your bathroom time? What's your normal bathroom time? Mm, considering I don't poop most days. <laughs> so, <it's gonna laughs> this is going to be the best intro ever. <laughs> It's going to be, uh, uh, I lay in bed at 11 to 12. What do you mean you don't poop most days? I lay in bed from 11 to 12, ponder my life, have a good cry, and then I say, oh my God, my bladder hurts. I have to get up. I go. I brush my day. teeth. That's not every day. It feels like most days, <laughs> if I'm being honest. If you're going to go to the bath, like how, how many times a week do you go? Uh, maybe three. Three? Three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, three. That's a nice number. Yeah. I got a squatty potty. I try to schedule it in. <laughs> try to make it like, most people are like, I'm going to do my nails. I'm like, I'm going to have a poop today. I'm going to have myself a nice poop. You know what you're going to well, do? when it's three times a week, you can light some candles. You can make it a, uh, a nice event. You can make it an event, but not when people are texting you that they need to be in the fucking bathroom at... <laughs> 640. As a person with Crohn's disease, going to the bathroom three times a week sounds like a luxury I just can't afford. <laughs> um, it sounds to me like you go to the bathroom more than anyone I fucking know. And I considering I see you with your medical card, Jesse. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> I feel like all you do is shit your pants. I do have a I do have a medical card in my wallet. Oh, hold on, where's my wallet? Where is it? It's somewhere around here. It's a really skinny thing with no money. Yeah, Where is it? Exactly. It's, it basically says, if this person has his card, let him go into the bathroom because he has Crohn's disease. I've seen Jesse throw it at valet. <laughs> Park the car. I got Crohn's I, disease. I just, I don't know. It's one of those things that I just have learned how to do. <laughs> just talk to people and let them know, like, listen. I got a this pooping condition. This is serious. <laughs> this is very serious. I have a pooping condition. I got, I don't know, I go like three, like four, sometimes, sometimes five times a day. A day? A day. <laughs> yeah. I'll go, <laughs> I'll terrific. go, I'll go two or three times before I leave the house. But like, what? Mm. What time am I leaving the house? Yeah. 10 a.m. 10, 10 to 11. I'm up in this apartment since it's so bright. I'm up at like eight eight thirty. I've taken Jen to work the last couple days. Yeah, but where days are you going, no, Simple no Sam? Where am I going? Right there on the couch. I, I go from that room over there, and I walk over. 
and then I go on the couch. You got a big day of dairy girls ahead of you. No, I, I go for a walk. I try to I try to contemplate about how I'm gonna make life work in Providence. In Providence, and then you're like, I give up, and I come home. I have a nice cry, and then I go and I drive to Boston. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. F- four or five days this week I'm going to drive up to Boston That's so. fine, I'm lonely too, come visit me in Boston I got nothing to do I got I nothing but time no, I got nothing but time <laughs> And that's almost the most dangerous thing Is having nothing but time And you do nothing to fill your time And then you feel like a fucking dildo <laughs> Being like, what did I do with my time? Nothing <laughs> Tell the people who you are I am Frankie Lansford <laughs> I've worked with Jesse and Genevieve for six years, and I am bored as fuck in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> so Frankie came down to visit. Frankie, you're our first visitor. Other, I am? other than my family on the day that okay. we moved in, which that doesn't count, but you're our first visitor, and we appreciate it. We're happy to have you. You guys are some of my best friends, of course. I'm we coming. basically just gave you a bunch of wine. If, <laughs> if hold on, let's get this. Clink. If you couldn't hear the clink, that was two glasses of wine, and we're drinking. There's two having, shitty glasses of wine. <laughs> Jesse, this wine isn't that great. On, I was talking about the glasses, but I think I brought. Or what I think these I glasses? These. We got you bought these for us for our no, wedding. Like I would ever buy stemless. Am I a fucking Neanderthal? No. <laughs> no, these are our. Fi- these are my favorite ones. The stemless oh, ones. Oh no, you like stem, the ones with the stem, stem? all the way. Oh. You well, gotta feel are... a little bit elevated in your life, Jesse. I don't know. I don't remember who gave us the stem. I gave you those ones. You gave us those? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the ones you say something. Because fucking... I used to bring wine over to your house all the time for movie night, and I used to not like your wine glasses. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna buy them some nice wine. Who glasses. doesn't like stemless glasses? I do because I just—they're too big for my fucking tiny hands. All right. Well, that's your problem. The boys never complain about those tiny <laughs> hands. It makes them feel good. But. <laughs> But everyone likes a nice the hands. <laughs> Finish that sentence, please. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> um, but uh, so <laughs> you're like, I have nothing to say about this girl. What did you do in life? <laughs> no. So we have to do these intros. So um, today on the podcast, I have my buddy Eric Hansen. Ooh. ooh. Who, who? Eric Hansen uh, is the guitar tech for. <laughs> Eric Hansen is the guitar tech for line. for Warren Haynes, and Warren Haynes is the guitarist in Government Mule. He plays with um, who? Uh, government mule you know you know government mule he plays uh warren haynes plays with dave matthews band every now and then he's guitar god guitar legend eric and i went to high school together um eric is a guy that has been there and done that what's he done what's this and that he's traveled all over the world he has I mean, he's just, there's not much stuff. <laughs> there's not much stuff that he hasn't accomplished. So you'll see that in this, in this interview that he's like, uh, not one word answers, but like, like, yeah, obviously. Obviously I've done that. Yeah. Next it's like, question. it's like, obviously dog, <laughs> I've done this, like been there, done that. So 
I really appreciate him sitting down and talking with me and telling you guys a little bit about his day, a little bit about a little bit about his life and what he goes through. Um, I don't know how many times he poops a day. Well, that's, those are the heavy-hitting questions that you should be asking every person on your podcast. I know. He doesn't poop on the bus. No one poops on a bus. Really? Really. That's a Even rule. on tour? That's not a thing? Tour buses, you can't poop on tour buses. Unless well, that's you're, a, that's a unless nice, you're like, like the next level big star. Oh, would your lead singer poop on a bus? No. No? It's just like common courtesy? Like no, no one poops on the bus? You gotta be a certain level band. We're not that. We're what about the driver? Band. I feel like he's the one person. Driver? Well, the driver is in charge of like dumping. Dumping your dumps? The dumps. <laughs> And, and like the tanks and stuff. So if he wants to poop on the bus, by all means. How is touring with Crohn's, though? It's hard. It can be hard, and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it can be soft. You just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you just never know. Sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's soft. Um, it's hard. Uh, sometimes it doesn't matter. All It's really a mental thing. However, how how much you think about it kind of affects how much it affects you it does that make sense no i i get that but like obviously when the obvious symptoms strike in the most i try to think like so if i'm unfortunate situations if you're on stage something like you gotta go you gotta go so if i'm on stage i try to go right before we go on stage and then when we're done after done packing up i try to go before the bus leaves but what about like meet and greets or? That doesn't matter. You can. I no? just. You, you can, can hold it. No, I just leave. If I have to go, I just leave. <laughs> you and just go. flash your flashy card. <laughs> I just flash my card. <laughs> Listen, ladies, no groupies tonight. <laughs> I got a card. I'm out. If there's a meet and greet or something, I'll just go to the bathroom. It's not. That, oh. That's not a big deal. So I mean, there's five. There's four other guys in the band that can that yeah. can kind of cover the conversation. Um, and the nice thing about being like the newest member of the band is that no one really wants to talk to you that much. <laughs> I don't think that's the newest member of the band. I think that's just the personality that you exuberate. To the, the personality that I am, and and, yeah. the, and the position. And everyone's like, I don't care to talk to that fucking like, asshole. I don't really know about that guy. <laughs> You're cool. Fuck you, Jesse, and that guy can come. But mm. <laughs> everyone wants to talk to either Barry or Terry or Carter, the three original members of the band. So, do you feel like besides? Okay, and I'm just saying this based off <clears throat> of my own childhood. The only drummer I can really think of off the top of my head is always going to be either fucking Ringo Starr or Travis Barker Blink-182. Two great drummers. Yes. But do you ever feel as a band member that you don't get, get enough uh, credit or Attention. recognition? Um, you know, I did feel like that when I was in Love and Stockholm, but that's, that's an, just an ego thing. I feel like I had a bigger ego when I was in Love and Stockholm. We're all just in college we're all trying to do the thing yeah just and it just it fractured the relationship in the band and like the songwriting and and just who was the most important and when you get older you realize that that doesn't matter as much so i'm sure that did you rank who's the most important based off of who is most popular of course, like the lead singer is always going to be the most popular yeah. person, and they're always going to be perceived as the most important person in the band. Yeah, and in the case of of Carbon Leaf, 
the lead singer of the band is also the manager of the band and yeah. the band leader, you know, most important. Yeah. And, and as someone that was hired way, way after the fact, you realize like, okay, kind of what, there's so many opinions coming into stuff, but what this person eventually says will go, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, but the difference between a hard band to be in or hard, hard people to work with or a cohesive band and, and someone that's easy to work with is they'll take your ideas and they'll really listen and then they will implement those things if they're good ideas. You know, um, uh, Barry and I have been going back and forth about our the bass drum design for yeah. our, our, our tour. <clears throat> and I drew out something and it was like, didn't really work, but it was kind of an idea. And then Barry took that idea and developed it into something else. And he came up with something new. And then I looked at it and he asked me, I was like, I really like what you did there. And that's collaboration. Yeah, and I was course. like, that's cool. If we can do that, let's do that. And then you come up with these things. It's like, no, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. But in a healthy collaboration, you find the best of all the worlds. Yeah. So, And I'm not a creative person, but I could imagine <laughs> in the sense of music or anything like you want to be heard, especially just because you, you're not just a, a drummer. You also do your own acoustic stuff. You do yeah. your vocals, whatever. And I would assume that you know what you're doing. And I know you kind know of. what you're doing. <laughs> I would hope so. I don't know. Sometimes I talk to you Everyone and I'm not quite sure. Think you're pretty uh, <laughs> We all think dumb. we know what we're doing. <laughs> you're pretty dumb. Pretty dumb. But... It's nice to be heard, no matter what kind of relationship, whether it's a personal one or yep. a professional one. It's nice to be heard and have an input on something. So yeah. I'm happy for you on your journey Thank with you. Carbon Leaf that Thanks. people listen to you. And, e- and even, and even, yeah, like, <laughs> like, like you said, like just to be heard is is goes such a long way. Yeah, and if you're being heard and like if you have a bad idea and something comes up, you have to recognize when there are better things coming up and you just keep trying until something that you do is like the good idea. Yeah. And it's okay if you have a, an idea that doesn't work or is the bad idea. Cause sometimes the one that we pick isn't the right thing. And then we realize, okay, that wasn't the right thing, but we keep going. You got to keep trying and you got to keep collaborating. And it's like, it's hard. And yeah. And for me, like I'm a strong headed person. Like I can be egotistical at times, but some, for some reason with this band, it just kind of like fits in. And I don't, I don't know if it's because I'm younger than everybody else or it's because I'm the new guy, but Barry gives me the opportunity to, to make my voice heard well i think i think i don't even know how to say this but for a band that's so established and for you to be the new guy and so much younger and for there to be room for your voice to be heard yeah i think that's kind of rare yeah it is and i think that's very there's a benefit there's a benefit to it and um and the thing is i like i'll have strong opinions but i know that Sometimes things that come out of my mouth, I'm like, uh, and then 
their herd and i'm like i'm glad you didn't choose that because <laughs> yeah. that because i just listen to what i said i'm just gonna, shut, I'm just gonna <laughs> shut up and let you guys do your thing but if i'm you know like when i was recording with dan mills um there's a lot of times in the studio in particular in the studio where even with carbon leaf with our most re- recent thing that we're working on where i'll hear something and I'll be, I'll feel very strongly about it. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, no, there's no way that we're getting through this recording without that idea or that thing being in this. And I can be very tough to deal with in that scenario. <laughs> like, I'm like, nope. Jesse, nope. you tough? No. Come yeah. On. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll, I'll literally tell you what your idea is sucks. <laughs> and like, I'm right. You're wrong. And it's that can, Scorpio in us. <laughs> I know. And that can happen. I'm trying, I'm trying to get better. About it. I'm trying to get better about it, but it's like, it's hard. It's, it, it can be hard. I am hard. too, but you know what? <laughs> if, I don't I don't, always if I don't hear anything better, then, yeah. then I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my guns. Listen, I don't think I'm always right, Linda, but I listen. yet to, Linda, Linda, L- listen, Linda, listen, listen, Linda, Linda, <laughs> but I haven't been proven wrong. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it makes it hard. And I try to get over that when people are like, oh, you just think you're always fucking right. And I'm like, I don't think I'm always right, but you're just always wrong. So how am I supposed to get over that? Yeah. I've had, <laughs> I've had strong opinions on, on things in the studio and then have, and had other ideas like in the other direction and then had to make concessions to get to like the middle point. Yeah. And it's worked out great. It's in mo- most of those times I'm like, I'm really happy with the way that that turned out. And it's hard to get into those, to those things because in the studio it can be difficult and it can be stressful. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I'm trying to compare it with something, but um, you really like. Can't. I'm not like an artist, so I don't really know. But I can't imagine everyone's creative baby trying to come to fruition, and everyone thinks that their way is right. And yeah. Well, everyone hears things differently, but in my opinion, the reason why pop music is so popular because it's called pop music, and why pe- people like it so much, and why people like these songs, is because there's there's like a there's a thing in these songs that people gravitate towards. Yeah, they relate to it. They relate, not just relate, because, I mean, people don't relate to mumble rap. They just like the way it feels. <laughs> yeah. They like the it way... It amps you up. <laughs> yeah, they like the they like how it hits their eardrums. And that's totally cool as well. But, like, if you are playing a song... And you're trying to figure out the nuts and bolts and trying to figure out how it goes. And one person has one idea and one person has another idea. You're trying to get to the point. You're both trying to get to the point where the people that are going to listen to it are going to enjoy it and are going to continue to listen to that song because they like what they heard that moment and they like what they heard at this moment. And you're trying to fight for what you think the person the listener is going to enjoy the most and that's songwriting yeah that's songwriting in the most in in the most like barbaric of terms like yeah you want to play something that you feel and that you connect with and stuff like that but you also want to play something and connect with the audience that's going to be listening to it and that's that's 
just as important as it connecting with you. Yeah. So you're all trying to get to that point. It's <clears throat> it's almost like uh, when you get into a friend's car and they're like, here, you're DJ for the ride. And <laughs> yeah, you yeah. feel that immense pressure and you're like, I'm trying to read the room right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I, what's everyone going to enjoy? I love being the DJ in a car. I do it's too. It's one of my favorite things. I, I feel like you're good at it though. You're better at it than I am. Because uh, I'm like an oldies person. You know the new I shit. Love, no, I don't know the new shit. I know the sad music that I like and everyone always tells me, can you not play your sad shit? And I'm yeah. like, but this stuff that you We're find- all just trying to have a good time, Frankie. <laughs> and I'm like, but you don't understand. This makes me happy in my depression. <laughs> yeah. But I find the sad music sometimes really makes me happy. I don't know how to describe it. Like- your wife, my good well, friend Genevieve, yeah. knows the same feeling Who's of like right now? you. <clears throat> it makes me happy to connect mm-hmm. to something. I'm like, yeah, man, I feel that. I feel mm-hmm. your sadness, mm-hmm. and I feel happy that I connected with something or yeah. someone. Yeah, and don't feel so alone. And it makes me happy. Whereas other people, all of my ex boyfriends are like, turn this shit off. Turn it <laughs> this off. This is yeah. so depressing. Yeah, well, that's the thing. <laughs> even with movies, like you watch a movie. What, what was the one that we watched before we put Drake on Drake Doremus's uh, newness. Yeah, I mean, you watch it, and it goes it goes through all of the. I mean, it's the modern version of, of a, a real a, relationship, of a long term relationship. So that can be really heavy. You go through, you know, the honeymoon phase, and then the phase where you kind of. You know, you're little, you're not, getting not used bored, you're getting you're used like, to yeah. each other, and then you're getting bored with each other, and then they both eventually cheated on each other in the same night, and, and craving the newness. Yeah, and then they came back, and they're like, "We don't want to get back into the whole dating circle, but now we want to do this swinging thing where you watch me kind of like uh, flirt with other, flirt people, with other people, people, but I come back to you exactly, and, and then it turns into like this whole shit show where." you find somebody, you know, this girl found someone that she could potentially leave you for, and then she comes back. So it's a whole, it's a whole, it's a roller coaster of emotions, but I think it's very telling of, I don't know, today's, today's era of online dating and well, just dating in general. Just, yeah. I guess dating in general of there's always like everyone's something. On, everyone's on online yeah. dating for the most part. Have you ever, you've never done it. No, I've never done it. I've never done it either. But I feel like I was just kind of on the the early end of it, the cusp. Yeah. I mean, I've been in the same two relationships for a decade, so (laughs) no. You should do it. Oh, let's start one right now. I have no interest in it. it I don't judge anyone who does, but no interest in it. Yeah. It's hard. It's it's just like one of those things where, you know, even in the beginning of the movie, they were, it was all about sex and hooking up and all that. So I I'm, I don't know. That'll be. That'd I feel be like tough. everyone just uh, the people that I do know that do do it. I'm always shocked if they find anything besides a get anything out of it. Besides yeah, a, besides a, hook a up. random hookup, or they're just so skeeved out by mm-hmm. the people that they meet, and it plays into what we were talking about before of like, is that your actual personality or is it your online persona that you think you have mm-hmm. to put. F- forward into the world to seem interesting one of my favorite things about (laughs) bartending (laughs) is watching was the tinder dates dates. was tinder dates because they would come in and you would also the most 
awkward thing of being a bartender. Yeah, server. but it wasn't. I, I never felt awkward, like on my end. I felt awkward when somebody was visibly like the girl when the guy would go to the bathroom and be like, "Can I cut the check?" And you're like, "Yeah." Like, yeah. you also want me to interrupt this date at some point because I feel very fucking sorry for you because that guy yeah. is definitely not who he said he was. Dude, so. I I had a girl go to the bathroom. And then I was like, D- "Is this g- is this going all right?" I would talk to him, like get yeah. in there, and he was like, "I don't know, man." And then I would give him a shot. We'd have a shot together, and then the girl would come back. He would go to the bathroom, and the girl would not talk to me, but she would be on her phone, getting her girlfriend to like text her, like call text me her. in ten minutes and call- tell but me. This one in particular had her show up, so this girl oh, showed no up, and this guy was just sitting there. The girl shows up. It was so fucking awkward. It was so uh, she. She. It was so obvious what was happening. Like, the, oh my god, where where'd yeah. you come from? I literally just. Put and the, she just texted me. I just put down the check. I was like, bro, you're gonna have to deal with this. And then he paid the check. They, the girls gave were an like, awkward hug. Awkward hug. The girls ended up staying talking about the day. I all yeah. I wanted to do was be like, you guys are fucking bitches. <laughs> like that was not cool what you did to that guy. Like it was. What was yeah. what was the chemistry of the date though that you were reading? I mean, maybe it wasn't working out, but it just seemed like she didn't she didn't give it the opportunity to yeah. to work out. And you know, maybe I'm just a guy and and. I don't know. Just that's just the signal I read. I, it, it just seemed like she was so prepared to call her friend or text her friend yeah. to come back and, and save her from this date that she never gave this dude a chance. So it just felt very contrived to me. I don't know. I well, not that I have any interest in it, but like I just can't believe the rejection that people are so willing to give out on online dates of like yeah. next. Remember that show yeah. next, like late yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. They'd and walk off the bus and they'd be like, uh, he's short. He's a loser. Next. Yeah. You're like fucking shallow, vapid bitch. Yeah. Like, and on the other end, like, you're I like was, somebody at least went out of their way to try to meet you and form a connection. And right. you don't have to be, you don't have to be an animal about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of people go into it expecting certain things, and, yeah, and, of and then they don't, they just don't never give the other person a chance. Like, there was this guy that came in, and this this girl who's a she was very sweet. She was sitting at the bar. She had a drink. She was there first. Guy shows up, has a shot, hangs out, realizes like you know who he's at the day with. He's like, I'm not interested. And then was just acting like a complete asshole. Yeah. And then was basically, the girl was like, okay, well, I guess you can just go. And the guy just left. He just left. Left her with the bill. Left her. It was Are like, you serious? I mean, I didn't make her pay for it. <laughs> like, that's the kind of thing. That's the benefit of being the bartender in that situation. You're like, okay, I'm not making you pay for his drinks. Like... Put that on on the spill yeah, tab. Yeah, <laughs> that's on the spill tab. He's a that guy's a douchebag. You don't deserve that. So, but oh, it, I, oh, it's such an ego knock. I think half these dates that like I watch occur, yeah. and I'm like, oh, sweetie, you're better than that. Yeah, and don't let that little fucking douchebag. Yeah, tell you otherwise. Yeah, you just hope that they're like not settling for this and going and and like keep keep going until yeah. you find something. You know. Someone, someone worthy, someone that's not just like out to, out on the prowl, out on the prowl, because I don't know, I've never been into that, but 
No, and I never, I never get the out on the prowl thing. Like, I get it if, whatever you're looking for, I totally get it. I a mean, hookup, <laughs> but like when that's just your lifestyle all the time, is like going to clubs and out on the prowl mm-hmm. and like, I don't, I don't know. Like, what is that life? I don't what, know. What is it? I feel like it's very unsatisfying. It's got to be unsatisfying because you never have any kind of deep connection with anyone. No, and even if like you do. I feel like people try to hide it of like, oh, I can't let my boys know. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, no, I was just so uninterested. And you're like, if you're like them, just why does it matter? Just say it. Why, yeah. Like, what does it matter to your friends? Yeah. If you liked your random hookup. <laughs> yeah. I'd say toxic friends are the root of all evil. Yeah. Really? Yes, men friends? No. Bad news. Yes, men friends, and like even if like you're a dude and you have friends that are like, you know, even when I was at my brother's house the other the other night, yeah, and his buddies like Jen and I were watching the the final of the U.S. Open because we love tennis, yeah, and we love Roger the, Federer, US obviously. Open. Well, he wasn't. In, <laughs> I don't know if he was in it or not, but I, I know final. your obsession with him. <laughs> There's this Russian guy and um, and Rafael Nadal and and Rafa won, but in the fifth set though, it was an incredible match. We thought it was going to end in the third, and I was supposed to go to my brother's house to watch the football game, and it went so long, I I basically missed the whole first half. Yeah, I got there, and I didn't hear the end of it about like being tennis and like hey you're a, you're a, i don't want to get into the names that they call me but yeah. whatever but like it's just come on guys like why do we why do you have to like dwell on this thing and try to bring me down for something i want to watch and i get like a little ribbing or whatever yeah. but like it literally like two hours of it, it lasted like, all night yeah it was all night i didn't hear the end of it the whole night and i was like literally looking at them every time they would say something i was like are you like is everything okay (laughs) why are you so focused on me watching tennis (laughs) and then and then one of them was like so you moved back home how do you feel about that like trying to make me feel bad about it it's like first of all i didn't move back home home is cranston and i live in providence yeah and there's reasons why we moved here. Yeah. And it's none of your business. <laughs> so it's like, why would you ever try to... I, it's just, it's beyond me of how negative these dudes are. And it pisses me off so bad. I just don't understand why it matters so much to people to like rag on you and your life choices. Because you've I'm, done, the, I'm the little brother. You're the little brother. I'm the sure, little brother. I get that. Because these guys are eight, nine, ten years older than I am. Yeah. And they they feel like, and they've never gone anywhere. They've yeah. never moved out of Cranston, never done anything. And the thing is, like, my brother has a beautiful family, yeah. a great wife, two kids. Like, they're amazing. But these guys are just like, they're a cancer. They're, yeah. they're terrible people. You know, and, and even if, even if like they would come back and refute and say that they're good people or whatever, it's like, well, you don't make me feel good. Yeah. Anything that happens good to me, you, you want to bring me down for some fucking reason. So it drives me crazy. It's like, you're not like humbling me. It's not like I'm on some 
some pedestal in my own mind that yeah. you're like knocking me down. Like, no, I. And there was no like, oh well, welcome home, or well, we're glad we're glad you're closer to home. That's yeah. that's nice. There was none of that. It was just cutthroat, just like all night. You're like I felt good about this move and now yeah. you're making me feel like i'm some loser who I never know. left and I that's know. not the case and you've accomplished a lot so that angers me and, that, and then like other like other dudes asking me like how much how friends much of mine make, make oh, and how much yeah. i make i'm like what like are you joking like who the fuck are you yeah so it's just like you're asking for the wrong reasons too you just want to be like <laughs> Yeah. Well, I make more than them, so my fucking dick is bigger. Yeah. And I feel better about my life and myself. <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's because... Oh, you don't think it's that? No. You think it, it's... It's because they're jealous. Yeah. No, of course. <laughs> but I'm saying, like... But they could also be like, oh, look at him. He tours with different bands, and he thinks he's so... Such a hot shot. Well, the but thi- I make more than them. Yeah, but the thing <laughs> is, no, they try to find what's wrong with it. Like, if it, even if I did make more than them, which, I, you know, I don't know if I do, and I, yeah, I don't care. Like, I know it's no, no I business. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't care to know. But when, when someone asks me about a friend of mine that works very, very hard for everything that they, they have yeah. accomplished or everything that they've... You know, a house, child, whatever. When they when they try to discount that and say that it's based on their parents giving them something exactly. instead of their own merit and hard work, you're I like, have uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> I have a serious problem with that. I'm like, yeah. listen, just because you don't go out there and work your ass off and go out and get the things that you want doesn't mean you have to put someone else down when you don't even know their situation. Yeah. So I don't know. That just—it's just something that really bugged me. <laughs> wow, this is thirty-three minutes already. Really? Damn. <laughs> I feel like this fast. is the most I talked to you. In. No, I know it goes <laughs> by two fast. Years. It goes by like fast. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's a little bit of insight. What's going on. <laughs> this is just therapy session. I know, but thanks, Frankie, for uh, doing the intro with me. Appreciate yeah, of course. It. Um, this episode is with Eric Hansen. Eric Hansen, as I said before, is Warren Hansen's guitar tech, and I hope you get some insight out of his, uh, out of some of his stories about what he has to say about Warren and some of his things on the road. We get into a little bit about our high school band and, uh, just all that good stuff. We've known each other for a really long time. I hope you enjoy our, the conversation I had with Eric Hansen. It's really good. Check it out. But it ain't done with me There's a road up ahead Where the moon shines as bright as a Gibson And the days never end When you feel I was editing I was editing a uh, an episode before mm-hmm. you got here And I tried to wake up early And... <clears throat> And like finish it and post it before before all this happened, but I just could not get out of bed. That's okay. I couldn't do it. Uh, it, it takes me at least an hour worth of snooze button to get out of bed. What uh, are you like? What's your schedule when you're on the road? As far as like sleep schedule and oh, sleep when you can, work when you have to is kind of the motto. Okay, yeah. So you're in bed a lot. <laughs> not really. We're it's a, such a full day for us on the road. Um, I've got like 50 guitars to take care of. Oh my god! That's a lot of strings. I'm busy. 
All right. So you wake up. You but wake no, up I'm, at the venue. Wake up at the venue. Uh, nine ten in the morning. Uh, my portion of the load in begins somewhere around the ten to noon ish, depending on the day and how much of a pain in the ass it's going to be. Hmm. Um, and then loadouts finishes around two in the morning. Yeah. And take a shower and wind down. Yeah, you're looking at around four or five by the time I pass out. Man, that's late. Up at 10. Yeah, I get about five, six hours of sleep on the bus. Well, that's not too bad. It's not too, too bad. Do you sleep well on the bus? I sleep great on the bus. Better than I do at home. Hmm. Just like the purr of the motor and a yeah. little rocking back and forth. It's yeah. beautiful. A lot of people and forth either you can't sleep at all on the right, bus right or you sleep better than you've ever yep. slept anywhere it's amazing yeah the the bad thing about our the bus that we travel in mm-hmm. it's one have you ever seen the bandwagons oh yeah those those are rough yeah we have one of those basically yeah they're built on a straight truck frame right there's no suspension right so like even when you look at the the back wheel it's you know the actual thing goes over the side of the wheel oh yeah so you you're, you're, t- you're sleeping over the wheel well yeah you're fucked it's very it's it's rough it's a little bit rough especially if you're you know on some not paved very well paved roads and, like like in new england yeah 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 any anything up here in new england it's it's a nightmare to get Both around them. um well, that's cool how many buses do you guys travel with we do two buses band bus crew bus okay and last year we had two trucks, which was nice. Really? Oh, yeah. That's a big operation. I, we, they bring a lot of toys, a lot of stuff, a lot of lights. What time is the load in? Um, let's see. For sound and lights, they'd probably start around 9, 10. Okay. Give them a couple hours, then we stroll in, do our thing. Okay. Man, it's so much It's so much stuff. I thought we had a lot of stuff. Oh, we have a, we've got a lot. I've seen you do it once, and it's it's impressive. Mm. Most of the time, it's usually all set up by the time I get there, so I don't see the, the brunt of all the work right. that goes into it. But A lot of cases. How did you start... How did you get into the Warren Haynes camp? I know that you weren't his tech right away. Right. So, rewind, rewind, rewind. Mm. I was in college at the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences. Met a good friend of mine there, Chris Austin. And after graduation, we became, I mean, we remained friends ever since. And then a few years go by, he was working at a venue, the New Daisy Theater down in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And the Warren Haynes Band came through. He made friends with their, uh, their whole camp, their crew. Then a couple of years later, uh, Government Mule, Mule was reforming, or... Yeah, they'd taken a couple years off, so they were getting grabbing a whole new crew to go out because other people had found new gigs and whatnot. So they called up Chris to take care of the uh, the drums, and they were looking for somebody to take care of the keys. So he had recommended me. They called me up, had a like an audition weekend gig, and I got the gig. So that was the audition. You basically took care of everything for that weekend. Yeah, it was the keyboard tech, which consisted of a Hammond B3 clavinet, two Wurlitzers, uh, um, two Leslies, a Marshall Half Stack, a Fender Super 6, an Ampeg VT22, and a whole bunch of pedals and shit. That's <laughs> so crazy. And a valve trombone. It's funny, like, looking at you now. about the valve trombone. <laughs> valve trombone. It's funny, looking at you now and 
just knowing where you came from in high school and all and all the stuff just to see the way that you talk about it is like i have been there done that i totally am picking up on that <laughs> which is awesome it's great it's great yeah. it's so cool is this where you ultimately like wh- wh- as far as a goal is concerned i didn't really foresee or really comprehend or know of the whole roadie life right beforehand because you were always playing and being in playing and bands i, I and preferred stuff. kind of doing the studio thing right and i don't know it's just a different adventure mm-hmm. it's kind of fun being in a different spot every day and i mean it's equally as challenging as working in the studio yeah and i mean it's essentially it's the same thing you're setting up a band and miking up everything getting good sounds yeah you're just doing that same thing every day just with the same band in a different, in a place. different room yeah so a lot of the principles are still the same right but even before even before that when you went to college there or maybe this was during college when you were doing sound yep. in providence a yep. lot what was that was that like a cool experience or was that not really what you wanted to get into like that nightlife kind of thing that or, was fun uh yeah. I, I enjoyed that that's kind of what more turned me on to the live music gotcha and, and doing live shows because really just found it as an easy way to make money at the time where were you doing sound there i can't remember um i was at a jazz club called the hi-hat the hi-hat is that still there no it's now a dueling piano bar what where music goes to die where it all goes to die yep. interesting and then what was the name of that club that was like kind of three clubs and that one? was uh the, the music portion of that was called the ruins the ruins that can't still be there um it is now an arcade a barcade really yes which Where looks music goes to die it goes to die <laughs> but i, I it kind of kills me because i go in there now and the room looks really cool as a barcade mm-hmm. just because the place looked it's so ridiculous before it was it, absolutely it ridiculous. looked like the roman ruins yeah with broken columns and the lights was just silly the whole place was silly it always kind of weirded me out when when we would play there I mean, oh, everybody was weirded out because the dance club upstairs is full of fist pumpers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cats. Yeah. Cats. And then you yeah. have Dan Mills playing downstairs. downstairs. And you guys are trying to keep off a tempo, and all you can hear upstairs is just. Mm, mm, yeah. Mm, or just do anything. Mm, 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 mm. You've got that one steady metronome and get. Yeah. Drive. The thing that only, like, people would always come out to that place, though. Mm. I remember it was not a challenge getting people out. Which is always the difficult thing in any what, live what, show situation. Stop. <laughs> that was just before the smartphone. Mm. That's a good point. That was just before the smartphone. That's a really just good point. Just before the Netflix. But we still had Facebook. Facebook was a thing. But people weren't really sitting home on Facebook all night long. They were using yeah. it as a... It was a. At that point, it was the best tool around. To get people information, to but let it know wasn't. What's going on. It wasn't really a full blown marketing tool, right, At that right, point, right. I can't even remember what we did. I think we probably hung up, hung up flyers, e- email still, lists, email flyers. Yeah, there's still sign up lists. Yeah, um, which is still the, effective. Yeah, the, the bunch of Facebook invites, which don't work anymore because nobody checks that shit. No, no, you no. Just mod with those things now. I just stopped. I don't even know what to do anymore because when I do my solo acoustic shows, I'll I'll just do a post and hope somebody sees it. Hope the algorithm works in my favor, which right. which it normally doesn't. But 
hopefully somebody will see something. I'll call people, but I'm, I'm always so bad about getting, getting people information on time. I'm terrible at it. That's weird. I, yeah, I don't know what works for people these days. Yeah. I'm just kind of, kind of bombarded with everything. I don't know. Yeah, it's just too much sometimes. Where were we? We got to... Uh, um, but being place. on this... What's it like being having Warren Haynes as your boss? Um, it's I, I really enjoy working for Warren. He, I mean, he's a great, great player. Mm-hmm. So watching him is just a lesson every day. Mm-hmm. The music is different every day. They will go like a week without repeating a song really which is awesome okay because i would get so bored working for a pop band playing the same the same set, set every night in the same order yeah with the same banter every night <laughs> it keeps you on your toes Fucking though Groundhog Day. yeah it does yeah um because yeah i never really know what songs are going to be on the list tonight so right. we've got a rotating stock of guitars just got to keep everything ready yeah not the whim and then after a while, you kind of know when they're going to skip songs and which ones they're going to skip. and You kind of feel what the vibe is going to be yeah. for the night. But then again, there are the nights where I just rip up the set list and go, I don't know what you're doing. Whatever happens. Whatever happens. happens. Just just look at me and yell out what kind of guitar you want. Yeah. We'll figure it out. <laughs> what kind of guitars are you dealing with? Or how many guitars are you dealing with? Um, y- yes. So not too many. Yeah, uh, no, about fifty. Yeah, I'm yeah. being a little coy because I mean I've seen I've seen the setup. I I know yeah. I know how many guitars so are, my, are in, in the thing. It's like two. In my, wor- my world, I've got two vaults with a uh, ten in each of them, and a couple more stacked on top, and a couple more just floating in in the boat I have set up next to me. Yeah, and that's pretty much all the main ones I'll use for Warren on any given day. Mm-hmm. And we've got another. Another vault stage left for Danny and Jorgen mm-hmm. on stage left guitar and bass, respectively. And a whole bunch of spares and travel guitars and mystery guitars and a couple of air guitar cases in the truck. Wow. Yeah. Does he, does it like rotate? I remember that one time when I saw you guys play in Boston and then like a new, like what, 59 Gibbs, like Les Paul just showed up. Oh, yeah. That, I forget who came in that day, but there's always somebody, yeah. some guitar dealer coming in with fun toys Just like to here, check out. Take something. Here. Is it usually a try out, try it out situation or is it more of a here, this is yours now, like a it, gift? It's usually a try it out. Okay. Sometimes it's, um, Cause that's, a, that's an expensive gift. Expensive gift. Sometimes it's people, uh, it's, you know, friends showing off. Hey, I got a new toy. You want to play it? Yeah, you want to play yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. You should play it. Yeah. People do that to Carter, our, our guitar player, yeah. all, all the time. They'll bring in a guitar that they have made for him. Oh, yeah, we get that, too. Yeah. Same with pedals and, and amps. Oh, pedals are even crazier. I mean, everything. And people are making so much cool stuff out there. Yeah. And it's all awesome. Yeah. You just can't stay on top of it. Of Everybody's doing it. Yeah. How involved is Warren in his own guitar sound? He's we're, he's pretty set. Okay. He knows what he likes. He made up his mind a long time ago. Yeah. He's pretty set there. Yeah. But every now and then... We'll, Do you have to go in and tweak things and move things move things around ever or... Not so much. Switch it's, up the chain at all? It's, it's there. Okay. It, it's... Put it Every now and then we'll add in a, another effect pedal just for something weird we're going for. Yeah. If we're doing a uh, 
a cover, I'll, I might tweak delay settings just to make it match or tremolo settings. Okay. Like if this is all stuff, I just yeah. I have no. It, it's. It, I might. It might as well be a spaceship. Because I have no idea. Like, I'll look at. I'll look at a pedal, or I'll look at all the <laughs> knobs, and I'm like, I don't know what this is gonna do. Hopefully, it just sounds okay. I hope I turn my drums on. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all you have to worry about. But no, you have the magic touch. You can get things to sound really. Thank you. Really good. I mean, and the two th- the two times I saw, <clears throat> excuse me, the two times I saw you working, it was like smooth, like super smooth. Everything sounded great. You know, the first time I saw you, you had you had the Leslie all taken apart, <laughs> and you were like soldering something oh, on yeah. the side and just getting it, everything done. The show but, must go on. Yeah, not to. Uh, so you you're you you were the protege of of warren's his former guitar tech who passed away mr brian farmer brian farmer who we miss him miss him dearly do you want to tell tell the listeners about uh about farmer so where fa- he came from so farmer was was warren's tech for uh 15 years prior with uh did a bunch of tours with him i mean everything warren did there and he dead looked stuff almond brothers stuff he looked Mule stuff. just like they, they, they looked extremely similar yeah. He had a shirt that said, um, I'm not him. Some <laughs> fan gave him. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, every time he'd go out and do sound check, Warren, I'm not him. <laughs> I experienced I, I a little do, bit of it. I, I can't do his uh, his voice. <laughs> Good old boy from Tennessee. Yeah. Like, I can't just do that one. But when we were walking to the bus that one time, yep. everyone was like, yeah, the line of people were like, or, or uh, Warren, you know, and, and he's, just you could tell it's something that he's been dealing with for for years that's funny so who else i mean but uh, yeah so previous to that he was guitar tech for mr johnny cash yeah put the hundred dollar bills in the strings yep he had a couple good cash stories he would share can't entirely remember all but uh no he always spoke highly of mr cash that's good yeah yeah he was uh he was just a proper gentleman yeah interesting complex guy right I'm sure. Right. <clears throat> how long was he with him? I'm not entirely sure how long he was with him. I forget. It might have been another five or ten years. Wow. It was it was another good good life. Wow. Maybe longer. So he he's, I, he was doing it for. Don't quote me on that. Long time. Yeah. So when you took over for Farmer after he passed passed away, mm-hmm. was that was that just kind of a role that you just moved into, or did Warren was Warren like all right, you know what's going on here can was that another kind of trial we, we, thing we had uh we had another n- another tech come in for a little while mr tom permy okay in the interim just to kind of hold it down while well we still had the issue of finding someone to take care of the keyboard rig oh that was right part of it too because that's another monstrosity that was complex that is i remember that looking very complex it's a spaceship over there. Yeah, that band just travels with a lot of stuff. So how long was that other guy there? Uh, six, not even six months. And then you're like, all right, we found somebody else for the keyboard rig. I'm moving into this role. And then and that's how it is. Yeah. It wasn't really me making that call, but that's kind of how it went. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Who, who made that call? I think it was the office production. Okay. That kind of department. Gotcha. Yeah. And they were like, all right, Eric, yeah. Eric can do this. So he's been with us a while. We trust him. He can get in yep. there and do it. What, uh, how often are you guys on the road? Last year was a bit slower this year. I'm not sure how it's going to pan out yet, but, uh, 
eight, nine months when you add it all up. Yeah. We're gone, gone a whole lot. You guys are gone so long, so yeah. much. It's crazy. And not just saying between all the <clears throat> projects Warren does, I'm always somewhere doing something. Yeah. Well, what are you doing for your own stuff when you're home? I have a repair shop I've been doing mostly down in Oneyville, Rhode Island, doing uh, musical electronics, new stuff, old stuff. Yeah. Amps, guitars, keys, pedals, high-fi stuff, whatever. Oh. I'm not afraid. <laughs> Give it to me. If I can open it up I'll and fix it. I'll and, fix and it so around. good, it'll never be neat fixing again. <laughs> I had an old uh, Marantz. Um, oh, I got one of those sticking around. Receiver? Yeah. Yeah. And I sold it. Bastard. I shouldn't have sold it. Correct. Every time I get a piece of gear, I'm like, I don't need this and if i'm not using it i gotta like rotate things out with the exception of drums you know i keep i keep toying with the idea of selling my les paul and i and i won't do it you've had that thing forever i've had that since 2004 oh yeah no before that before that yeah probably 2002 or something like that no no for, wait because well when we were playing in a band together yeah which was which was king me king me before that you were no you didn't have because you didn't have the amp you gave up you gave up the band trip for the amp oh my god i can't believe you you know this story so <laughs> that was in 2004 and you okay so you wouldn't need the guitar before you got the amp right i'm just trying to break this all down so, logically. To, give, so to give a little context right? uh i can't remember if brandon some somebody Oh, I talked about this with Dan Mills. Go. So, we uh, I was supposed to go on this band trip. I was the I, was I the president of the band at that time? Maybe I think, not. No, no, because it was your junior year, my senior year. That's right, because I was the president of my senior year. Right. <clears throat> Tom Kane was the president. So, because I remember we had the tradition of passing the, our band shoes down to, <laughs> to the new president. And I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Well, Tom Kane gives me this size fucking 15 shoe with all this writing on. I'm like, Jesus Christ, look at this, the size of this thing. This is a monument. Yeah. Seriously. I still have it. It's in, it's in, um, I think it's in, uh, my, my parents' house in Rhode yeah. Island somewhere. This is a giant shoe. That's um, amazing. Yeah, so I was talking with Dan about that trip, and Monty really wanted me to go because you know uh, I'm in the band, and, band and he's like, "We needed you should go because we needed you on the coins. You're the only one that could hold that down." Yeah, and then um, I think I may have put the deposit down, and then I asked for it back because I was like, "I don't want to go. I want to buy." this Marshall half stack and trade in my Martin to get this Les Paul and be in a rock and roll band, <laughs> which was ultimately a good decision. I agree. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, but how, really, that's, that's a, a fun st- trip though. Was it? A f- I'm sure it, it was. was a fun trip. I'm sure there's so much de- debauchery on that trip that I wish I'd taken part in. But yeah, we were in, we were in that band together with, with Vladimir. That Falcon. Oh, that band. Well, that also Martin, that, that Falcon band. Yeah. That was so much fun, man. That was a fun time. I tell people all the time that it was cool to be in band. At our school? Fuck yeah. <clears throat> and and my wife, Genevieve, always makes fun of me. It was like, it was not cool. You're just telling yourself that it was cool. It was cool. It was cool. It was very cool to be in band. Hang out with the Falconets and Westernets and stuff. Yeah, nobody went to the games to watch the football team. No. No. They went to go see Jesse on the Quince and Eric on the tuba. And see what ridiculous shit he would decorate it with. <laughs> 
Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that was fun. What was the craziest thing you decorated your tuba with? Um, I think on one of the Thanksgiving practices, I decorated it in Christmas lights and had music going on it. Um, it just wired up something. It's incredible. Like a speaker in the bell. Coming out of it. It was great. Were you playing? No, I had like my CD player <laughs> tied into it. I was like, there's no way you could be making sound out of it. No, I like battery powered speakers and it was tricky to do back then. We didn't have Bluetooth. Yeah. I would always get very nervous on the marching band field because I was like, I was always nervous about mark actually marching. And that's why I was so happy I didn't go to Cranston East because oh. their band was incredible and they had all like these precision moves. military type. Yeah. Super precise. Yeah. And there was this crazy rivalry that yeah. didn't make any sense Made no because sense. we were playing. There, there was, there was no distinct night and day, but they were the band. so much better. We were playing. Oh yeah. <laughs> but we were playing rock and roll. Right. Like we were playing the offspring. It was a show band. In marching band. Right. Which was awesome. Which was awesome. Which was great. Right. But I would get so nervous just to march and like make sure my feet were were going and, and you know doing the right steps. Like what was it called? Eight for five. Eight for five. Eight steps for every Eight. five yards. Yeah. And I would get so nervous before the shows. So nervous. Really? I my favorite part was playing in the stands. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I was not nervous at all. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. It was just, I don't know. When I was younger, I would get so nervous about the stupidest shit. I would have all this anxiety about the dumbest stuff. Like, I was always afraid of getting lost. Like, I wouldn't go anywhere. Or I wouldn't want to do anything because I didn't want to get lost. Isn't that ridiculous? That is absolutely ridiculous. I know. That's crazy. It's a good thing you have a this navigator thing in your pocket now. I know. Well, that... And it's just crazy, like the job that I ended up with. Yeah, you right. know, I have seen every go here, every city <laughs> yeah. in the country. And you know, I've been been overseas, went to Bahrain to play, like just been. Where's that? So where's Bahrain? Yeah, it's off the coast of Saudi Arabia. Ooh, sounds sexy. Have you ever done one of the? Uh, haven't uh, done the USO? Middle East. No, we haven't done the USO thing either. Oh man, more, oh god, he'd be. You know what? You're they right. would love that. It's probably a money thing. Or, or it's probably it's probably just getting. It's a big operation to get overseas. You guys got to talk to like Navy Entertainment. Yeah, we have too much shit. Yeah, they're not gonna want to put up with us. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think they would. <laughs> just, just the the soldiers. They appreciate it, right? So, so much. It's such a great experience. It's such a great experience. You would love it over there, man. Oh, I'd be wicked You'd fun. Love it. Wicked fun. Yeah. Yeah. The only one I know that that's done that is be uh, Grace Potter. I remember her doing that a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people. I did it with Steven. I know that Carbon Leaf has done it uh, a couple cool. times, but um, yeah, man, the, the Middle East is it's, it was very warm. <laughs> we went in, I think it was July. It was, uh, I think it was 130 degrees Ooh. every day. Oh God! So you're staying. They Is put it, they put you up in pretty nice hotels, and it's you know everything's super air conditioned. But you have you can't go out in like shorts and a t shirt. You have to cover up. The sun just beats you. <clears throat> yeah, the sun the sun beats on you because um, you walk outside and it's it's literally like you're walking into a, a wall, wall of heat. heat. Yep, a complete wall of heat. Yep. When we uh, <clears throat> when we first got there to Bahrain, I think we started in Spain, uh, which was great hanging out in spain oh, yeah on you know you're just in the beach you're barely working you know right. it was great uh we started off there and then when we 
traveled to Bahrain. They lost our bags because we had a really short changeover. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we got to Bahrain and we're visiting the uh, um, the Patriot missile site, secret location, all this all this stuff. It was really really cool. Undisclosed location. Yeah, yeah, undisclosed location. And I didn't have shoes. I was traveling in sandals like an idiot. I had to walk around the desert at this site, this this military base, in sandals and a t shirt. There's a picture of me walking around. I look like such a jamoke. <laughs> It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. But then the next day they finally found the bags and, and then I had shoes again. Okay. But they felt they were, they were all making fun of me. It was pretty funny. What's the craziest place you've traveled with Warren um, or in general, just in, for music? Oh, well, let's see for non-music I, I, or for music. I should the say. most absurd trip we did was three hour set in Norway and back. So you guys went over there. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it gets worse. Oh, come on. Give it to me. It again. gets worse. So there I was. <laughs> all right this was i don't know last year summertime ish and there was some crazy weather system coming through which canceled my flight this was like a whole two-day ordeal so my flight out of boston was canceled the first day Mm -hmm. um no it wasn't out of boston it was out of yeah it was out of boston so that was canceled and there was the only other flight um yeah so they rescheduled me for something the next day next day comes around i am just about to leave my house to go to the airport and i get a message from the airline saying nope not this time either oh i had a flight i was going to fly out of newark that day and take a quick one from providence to newark newark over to uh to norway so <clears throat> and i'm looking at it and any other flight I'm like nope i'm out of time i'm out of time I'm like well if i leave now i can drive to newark oh jesus here we go you were so, i mean and i made it down there you're such a road warrior caught my flight i would my connection flight and flew over to norway took like a two-hour nap in the hotel went did the gig Took, went to bed for like four hours, flew home. Oh my god, it that's, was awful. That's crazy. It was awful. Did you? Can you sleep on flights? Sometimes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, if I'm a, yeah, I'm pretty good about it. I can be asleep before takeoff. Yeah. Same. Um, same with me. But I was just so wound up on that one. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. Yeah. Can't even imagine. Just to go over there, do the yeah. three hours, fly home, and then. I had to drive back from Newark because my car was still in Newark. Jesus. <laughs> Not four hours there. Then I slept. It was an awful day. It was an awful weekend. That sounds like a terrible weekend. Oh, my God. What? So this was some. This was last summer. Yeah, last summertime. Well, it's a bummer because you don't even get to enjoy Norway no. at all. Okay. Have you ever been there before other than that? Uh, we've done a couple, couple shows up there around the fjords and such. Okay. Yeah. It's beautiful. You guys, you guys, it, do it looks like too. northern New Hampshire, but you can't read the signs. <laughs> and there's an IKEA. Is nothing in nothing is in uh, in English? No, it's in Norwegian. I know, but some places have have they English on the signs. They don't care. Yeah. Uh, well, you guys, you guys do Jamaica every year, right? Yeah, we do that in J- every January. Okay. Um, good time to go to Jamaica. Good, great time to leave here and go to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that was our 10th year doing it, my 7th. It's not as dangerous as it used to be. Okay. Because, oh, the whole aspect of putting on a show in Jamaica, there's really not a lot of safety regulations or oh. quality equipment. Gotcha. Yeah. So early on in, in that series of shows, it was just a nightmare. This is a shit show. Spend the entire first day fixing everything down there and hoping we'll get through it. Wow. Yeah. R- rental gear, local production equipment, broken, like cracked extension cords running through the sand. There's <laughs> the fans walking through getting hot feet. Getting, getting zipped. Yeah. Zipped. Yep. Uh, zipped. Um, what, what, what is the actual, um, what is the the venue is it like a festival it's, it's or at something? a resort it's at a resort. It's at a resort it's um yeah the entire resort is booked out by the fans okay and we play four nights on the beach that's that's pretty sweet yeah. and every year we bring in different guests different openers yeah a couple of rogue musicians just to sit in with everybody yeah as they do in those jammy type circles that carbon leaf could uh could do a pretty good job opening and mm-hmm. in, in uh January, because we don't really do anything in January. That's a conversation for later. That's a conversation for later. <laughs> um, so the last couple of years, it's just been going well. Yeah. So I have no good war stories from it. Well, that's good. And how many years has that been going on? Uh, ten years so far. Ten years. Yeah. And oh my a, god, you have a, been with them for ten no, years. No, this is my my seventh. This is my this is my this is starting my eighth year. Shit. Yeah. Wow. Time flies, man. No kidding. Do you see? Do you see yourself? Do you ever get any opportunities to go with any other bands? Do you have any desire to tech for anybody else or play with anybody else? Every now and then, I I'll, I'll do some pickup gigs with other people. Okay. Um, past couple of years, I've done the Rock Legends cruise with Gary Howey. He brings oh. me out on that one. That's fun. Yeah. Is that uh, Joe Bonamassa did that one? This no, year? he's got his own cruise. Okay. Uh, the. The Joe Biden Just, Austin, right, pretty much. Yeah. Um, is that run by Six Man? I think Six Man does that. Okay. One. Yeah. Because we do the rock boat every now and yeah, then. Yeah. There's a bunch of those cruise things. Mm-hmm. They're fun. Warren will never do one. He hates boats. He hates boats. He hates boats. A lot of people do. Uh, um, and fish. He doesn't eat fish. Uh, I'm seeing a pattern here. Yeah. The beach is as close as he'll get. Okay. <laughs> the uh, Do you know the band Welshly Arms? Negative. Their bass player uh gets very seasick so mm. they did last time i was on the rock boat it was either rock rock boat or the sail across the sun cruise with train i can't remember which one it was but um he was just going from the infirmary to the stage Ooh. and after the show back uh. to the infirmary man for five days of that oh that sucks yeah brutal brutal but that's cool so he brought you out on on the cruise and then yeah, I do some, some on the side gigs with him here and there, but he mainly brought me out to wrangle the jam night because that's kind of what I do with the mule is just wrangle guests and yeah, throw amps out and just make it happen. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. What, what's the coolest guest that you've had? The like anyone that you're like, oh my god, like I can't believe that. I remember Schofield played with you guys oh, yeah. and you got to tech for him. That was fun. He was a great player. Um, real oh my god moments. Uh, let's see. With Mule, more of an overwhelming oh my god was one year at Jazz Fest when we had 32 guest musicians Whoa. throughout the night. Okay. Not so, at once, but throughout the night. Yeah. 32? 32. Were they all using the same amp? I mean, it was... Pretty much. We, we had like two amps out there, but mm-hmm. it was every kind of 
uh, instrument because oh it was New Orleans and Jazz Fest. That's awesome. And everybody's down there. Yep. And who doesn't want to play with Warren and yeah. Government Mule? Yeah. It just, it gets silly. What are the fans like for Government Mule? Are they like pretty, they're pretty diehard, right? They are pretty diehard. They're, they're very into it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of old hippies. Okay. A lot of old bikers. Um, How do the bikers and the hippies get along? I think they've mellowed out in their old, yeah. in their, as time has gone by. Um, no more clashing. Yeah, right. A lot of musos watching. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're definitely a player's band. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember sitting by the uh, the monitors for one of the shows and just yep. kind of looking out and yep. seeing the guy, like the guys in the tie-dye shirts, old guys in yep. tie-dye shirts. Yeah. <clears throat> Predominantly male audience. Quite. And, uh, you know, just air guitaring away and, and singing all the lyrics. Dare I say we have one of the least attractive fan bases in the <laughs> I think it's probably... But they're awesome people. It's probably a tie between your fan base and, and Russia's fan base. Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably, probably the same people. Yeah, we get a lot of rush shirts. It's a, it's so cool, man. They're, they're great shows to watch because those guys are just, they're still doing it at such a high level, such a high level. Oh, yeah. No they, one they, plays. They, as they good. bring it every night. Yeah. They're like one of the last of the old school rock and roll bands to yeah. just go out there and play. Yeah. Do you ever Un- look at yourself? Apologetically play. Right. Loud. Really yes, loud. Very loudly. <laughs> Do you ever look around and like with your background and loving classic rock music? Do you ever just kind of like look around at all the guitars and Warren Haynes oh, playing yeah. like and you're like, this is so how, fucking how cool. did this happen? This is so cool. How did this happen? You must have just willed it to happen some uh, somehow. Somehow. Who knows? And then they'll break into like an awesome cover of When the Levee Breaks. Mm. I, I think you've seen yeah, a they, couple Zeppelin tunes. They played done it by them. Yeah, they played it at um uh was it Blue Hills Bank? Yep, yep. Blue Hills Bank Pavilion. Yeah. That I remember that being a that, that was a cool show. I love that venue too. That venue is fucking That's a cool room. It's awesome. It's so cool. I've never I've never had the pleasure of playing there, but hopefully hopefully someday it happens. Um Yep, that place is set up for a win. <clears throat> what are some of the the actually before I ask you about venues, um the guys in the band, mm-hmm. when I saw them, you know, obviously the touring kind of takes its toll and it, it, I almost equate it to watching basketball players or like athletes when they're not on the court, very slow, kind of lethargic, deliberate actions, like harnessing all their energy until they get out on the stage and they, right. and they or on the court or yep. the field and they unleash it. Um are the guys in the band like still super passionate about doing what they're doing? Do they love it? Oh yeah, it's all they know how to do. Yeah, yep. They're true professionals and lifers in this. It's all they know how to do. Have I ever told you stories about like, you know, kind of opened up about their musical life and how much they they love doing it and stuff like that? Or oh yeah, it's just a. It's just yeah, I've been with them long thing. enough. We get those conversations. Yeah, yeah. Anything stand out? Every now and then I get a, get a random story from him. Like uh, Jorgen, the bass player, told me the time uh, oh, he had a Chris Cornell gig. Oh, wow. Chris Cornell solo, um, L.A., and he got, he got the call for the bass gig on that one. That's awesome. Because he gets that good, angry, dirty, effecty sounding bass that, yeah. that Audio Slave had going on. Yeah. That must have been, those must have been cool yeah. gigs. So he was kind of bummed when Chris passed. We all were. We all were. Mm-hmm. Um but what are some of the 
like your favorite venues to get to as far as like just rooms and, and ease to set up or some of the crews that right. You know, right I'm sure right. you see a lot of the same people. Oh yeah. That's what I love it doing it for so long is all the familiar faces at all the different mm-hmm. places and all the festivals, a lot of the same crews doing those. Yeah. But that's fun. Um, there is, I have a fairly tested theory here that there is an inverse ratio of inverse proportion of the cooler of a venue it is to see a show at the more of a pain in the ass it is going to be to make that show happen. Mm. Okay. Red Rocks. Kind of like Fire Festival. <laughs> Have you ever seen that documentary? I never saw the documentary. Uh, never mind. No, no, I, I remember hearing about that when it was all going on because yeah. all my fr- friends in the production world were going nuts about it. People thought, oh, yeah. People thought that there was going to be this giant, incredible music festival on a fucking island, island. Yeah. which didn't make any sense. I remember the first, like, as we were watching it, they try to, they try to, like, say, they hold off, like, what went wrong, but the second I saw what was going on, I was like, this is never going to happen. (laughs) Right. Never. All these people are idiots. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. So, the the cooler the place is, the harder. For example, Red Rocks awesome looks looks great in all the videos everybody's shot i mean i've wanted to go there ever since i saw the the incubus dvd oh yeah right yeah that one yep that looks cool so you can't get a truck to the back of red rocks oh god there's this i mean it's steep narrow switchbacky things you got to get to yeah so what you do is you unload your truck into these stake bodies mm. and these stake bodies go up there and uh, you just watch your gear, and you watch. You might cry a little. Um, I've heard stories of the Allman Brothers lost some PA there one year. Oh, my God. Just went for a tumble. Jesus. Yep. That's terrible. Oh, it's frightening. I didn't know it was anything like and that. And since you, it adds about two hours to the in and the out, the whole cross-loading. And then once you get the the, the, the steak body truck up to the, the, uh, the venue, you got another push up and around another 100 yards worth of pushing to get to the stage man and it's okay because you're over a mile at altitude yeah you're at a 6400 feet on the deck there it's fine you can breathe no you can't oh no you can't and you hit yourself by the end of the day yeah anytime i'm in colorado yeah when you wake up you're just like <gasps> yeah this next run coming up we're, we're starting in aspen and then doing two nights in Vail. Mm, aspen's like up around nine nine thousand oh, yeah. and then veils 11 12 15 it's way up there i'm oh, gonna yeah. die they, they must carry oxygen around um all the venues there have them they have oxygen yep they yeah. have oxygen tanks i had a i had altitude sickness up there last time i was there really oh yeah just everything hurt felt like i had the bends uh you have like bad headache and stuff like headache, that. Headache, stomach, just cramping up. Yeah, you have to drink so much water. Oh, yeah, it's just you always have to have yep. a bottle of water in your hand. What else? Um, so, oh man, that's such a bummer. That <laughs> yeah, I mean, every cool venue. Um, no one. It's funny because nobody that I know that has ever played Red Rocks has ever mentioned anything about this. I had no idea yep. until this moment about how it's shitty that awful. load in and load out it's is. Awful terrible terrible Loden's probably like all right we'll do this we'll get it done blah blah blah, blah. And there are some scary there's a handful of good guys on the crew there the rest of them just suck 
<laughs> so Red Rocks, get your shit Fucking together. Awful. Get your shit together. Uh, what are some of the other places? Have you ever done the Gorge? No, I've got that coming up, though. Oh, awesome. So I can't report on how, how awful that one's going to be, but I will let you know. Yeah, that sounds like it's going to be a similar situation. Um, what's another shitty venue? House of Blues, San Diego. You start off with an ele- elevator. Anywhere with an elevator automatically sucks. Yeah, anywhere in New York. Uh, oh, tiniest, tiniest of elevators. Yeah. Yep. One piece of gear can fit at a time. Yep. And then you think, like, maybe we should just carry this up. And then like, no. and then your brain starts to work again yep. like a normal person. <laughs> and you just take it on the chin. Did a club in Poland. It was, like, four stories below in a parking garage. What? I, they, like, cornered off some corner of a parking garage to make this weird club and <laughs> there was no elevator there was no elevator no so was it it was all ramps kind of going down parking garage oh my god that fucking that load out must have been the worst mm-hmm. do you have are you pushing gear we, oh yeah we had some local help but not really okay yeah it's just awful oh fuck man it must be the best when you have when you have hands and, hands and an actual and, yeah and, a, and it's crew a good crew yeah yeah you probably said this before but how many of you are on the crew that travel with the group let me add this all up it's like 10 or 11 of us oh, okay yeah all right depending on how much stuff we bring we bring on an extra lighting guy if we have a massive light rig okay um that's the only real variable pretty sometimes we trim down for europe and whatnot pretty hefty but yeah but yeah i mean you're unloading tractor trailers so yeah Oh, no, that's just our road crew. We use local no, crew that's for, what I for mean. that part. Yeah. Oh, for that part. For that part, yeah. Gotcha. Sometimes it's union. Those days go good most of the time. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Where you're just up on stage, just kind of directing where yep, you directing put traffic things, and, and then opening, yep, they're opening stuff up. Yep, they, they open cases. And as far as I remember, it doesn't take you guys a whole lot of time to get things set up once it's on the stage. Right. The backline portion goes quick. Yeah. We we can be up and running and, and happy in under an hour, 45 minutes on a good day. That's incredible. If if nothing's broken. But yeah. it's it's our lighting rig and our, our sound department takes well. Yeah. That's the lighting rig that takes most time in the morning. Okay. We, we use house PA. Um, so in the morning. You guys don't bring your own board or anything? We bring two boards. Two boards. Front house board, monitor board. Gotcha. Our monitor rig is large very large you guys are everybody's all on, on wedges everyone's on wedges everyone's on wedges so who has the worst tinnitus in the band what <laughs> uh drummer well he gets hit from all angles because he has i remember looking at the rig he has like yeah, basically right up, a bass amp and a guitar amp yeah he's got well, he has two wedges behind him one is like a vocal wedge yeah um he is immediately can almost touch the bass rig which is massively loud. There is a wedge behind him feeding him bass guitar. Mm-hmm. And there is a Soldano combo amp on his four o'clock, which is being fed a clean signal from straight from Warren. So wow. he can dial in his own guitar wedge right there. That's awesome. And to his right is a, a cross stage Leslie. Mm-hmm. So he's, you get real organ monitor right there. Yeah. That's pretty much what that is there for. Just a, a just, live monitor. Just for just a stage. So you can yeah, stage feel a real Leslie behind you. Man, that's... Because the Grateful Dead did it. So if they can do it, we can do it. Um, well, 
I think I think we covered pretty much. We covered a whole lot. A lot of stuff. I'm well, sure there's more we can think of for later, but yeah, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for doing it, man. I really appreciate you coming up and anytime and, get, and sharing anytime. sharing your wisdom with us. <laughs> anytime. Bye. Thank you for listening to this conversation. Uh, <laughs> email the podcast at afterthegigpod at gmail.com. Check out the Patreon page and support the podcast at www.patreon.com slash afterthegig. Um, any amount means a lot and uh you get some extra extra bonus stuff so check out that and i'll see you next week thanks i think i'll give her a ticket let me get a cold beer for the mama in the corner of me i bet she's got a dog with no collar that's the kind of dog i'd be running around just a big old hound all the other dogs wishing they were me and when this bar turns on the light well the people here are gonna see well, just a real good show from the mama in the corner of me And it's hot fun in the summertime I think I'm changing my t-shirt I'm going route four, route one, red sun Bumping Bertha out my car And I only got two, but if she keeps cool I think I'll give her a ticket Let me get a tall boy for the mama in the corner of me You can bet your bottom dollar that mama's coming home with me I'ma call the cab, I'ma grab the tab All the other boys wishing they were me When those passing cars go by You bet they're gonna see Just a real good show from the mama in the corner of me Now I think there's something in the air tonight Well everybody stares, we just don't care tonight And I'm feeling frisky, I wanna lay her body down On a sandy street with the reggaeton beat And the college DJ sound Seesaw in her hair You got my heartbeat like a dubstep snare Oh, she missed me, heaven sent And that cover was the best five dollars I'd ever spent Dog with no collar, that's the kind of dog I'd be Running around, just a big old hound All the other dogs wishing they were me And when this bar turns on the light Well, the people here are gonna see It's just a real good show, baby, don't you know that The night goes quick when the day goes slow A 